The Five Ways Junction at the end of Porty High Street has long been a scary place for cyclists and pedestrians, and this week it became that much scarier. On Monday, 36-year-old cyclist Heather Stronach was killed by a lorry. 18 months ago, 40-year-old cyclist Stuart Elliott was killed by a lorry. As a pedestrian, I avoid this junction if I can. As a cyclist, like many people in Porty, I would never even contemplate using this route. It's just far too dangerous. Back in the summer during lockdown, cycling became a pleasure. Now, you take your life in your hands, literally, when you take a bike out onto the main roads. Earlier, I met up with Maureen Child, the councillor who is also the active travel champion for the city. I'm very, very angry that these things are happening. Close to despair sometimes that we cannot seem to get these things right. And when I say we, I mean drivers, engineers. You can make the safest conditions in the world, but if people behave badly or make mistakes, then tragic things will happen. I don't feel safe cycling. I would never cycle at that junction and ironically it was changed from a roundabout to a signalised junction to make it safer. Well we've had three accidents close to there, two fatal accidents and what you hear anecdotally is that people don't feel safe or they've had near misses and I just feel it's tragic. I walk a lot as people will know and I also cycle and I feel increasingly less safe on the roads and yet I'm somebody who people will write to and say, do something about it. But can you do anything about it? Because it's such a major issue. There are massive engineering implications of any change that might be made. I mean, think of how long it was closed when they moved from the roundabout to the current layout. Yeah, it's, it's a case for, for me of do what you can, where you can, as much as you can, and... While I champion active travel, I'm aware of the dangers of active travel, but the fewer of us do it, we give up on it, and we don't battle back and challenge, then nothing will happen. And I feel that in recent years that we collectively have given over so much space, both to travel and to park, to a vehicle that sits there 90% of the time. Many of them do. And yet when you argue with people, they will go from their own experience and say, but I need my car to do X, Y and Z. Well, yes, we all do, but we need to put it into perspective. 40% of the households in Edinburgh have no access to a car at all. So I think it's a safety issue, not just an issue of let's save the planet and, and drive less. We've given over space to cars just to sit there and we think it's, we believe it's our right. We get quite shirty and I found myself when I'm driving feeling quite shirty as if someone else giving up their car or a whole bunch of other people that are sitting in a traffic jam with me giving up their car is the solution. It's not. It's all of us doing a bit and, and lobbying people like me to say what can we do, what can we do, not what can you do. So it's a lot, it is about engineering, it is about getting streets and, and traffic and drop curbs and junctions right, but it's also about our individual behaviour and attitude and understanding that the most vulnerable amongst us are the people on their legs 
using a wheelchair on a bike and each and every one of us have an equal right to move around in the safest possible way as not interfering other people and I feel that those behind the wheel of a car are tending to get into this mindset that they own the road, they own that space, they have a right. Collectively, as a society, we've given far too much credence to that kind of attitude. And I want to change that attitude. It's going to take a, quite a long time, though, because it's taken quite a long time for that attitude to become embedded. Yeah, and it's certainly not embedded yet. And those that shout loudest, those that are aggressive, those that are against something, whose voices will always be heard because they're loudest and those that feel differently are quite worried about speaking up. So they need advocates and I'm happy to be the active travel champion will continue to champion these issues. But I feel frustrated that I don't have the power, for example, of the mayor of Paris. I'm not the mayor of Portobello and Portobello is part of a wider conurbation. I don't have the power to make the kind of changes she made. Remind me what she did. She decided that spaces were for people and not for cars in the centre of Paris. She's removing parking. She's taken the banks of the Seine away from access to vehicles and given it over to pedestrians. And she did that at the time she was coming up for re-election and she's been resoundingly re-elected on the 29th of June this year with a resounding mandate to do more and to remove parking spaces from the middle of Paris. Now, she has both the financial resources and the powers to do that. What I found frustrating, what many of us, spokesporty and so on, in the lobby, active travel lobby, find quite frustrating, is that we would love to do these kinds of things, but we don't have the legal powers to do it. We end up having to ask people, consult, in other words, in some people's mind, give people a veto when we make changes, relatively small changes to, to roads, as we're doing through spaces for people and through trying to make the immediate access to schools safer and you get no end of brickbats and kickback from people who say no you can't do that I'm in favour say they of walking and cycling but and the but is not in my backyard not how it affects it mildly inconveniences or greatly inconveniences me I'm I'm prepared personally to make huge inconvenience to myself in terms of travelling around in order that other people have the space to drive, yes, when they need to. And there are people that need need their cars, absolutely. There should be space for them. And I feel constantly um, berated and bedeviled by listening too much to the siren voices of saying, this is bad, this won't work, this is infringement on my civil liberties, blah, blah, blah. And this week in particular, I've just had enough of it, frankly. Talking about those siren voices, you and I are both old enough, dare I say, to remember when the legislation was going through to do with seatbelts, when the legislation was going through to do with drinking and driving. And the same siren voices were actually sounding. And nowadays you won't find anyone who would actually approve of driving without a seatbelt. Yeah, and I think you make these principled decisions and you stick with them because they're the right thing to do. There are lots of things that have happened and have made us actually quite a small change, but it's made made a big difference. And I I think it, it, it requires courage, 
political, personal color, courage to stand up against those people that would tell you the world's going to hell in a handcart if I can't use my car as and when I want to. And finding different ways of, of doing things, cargo bikes, the small short journeys that you can make. I have some sympathy actually for people who buy a car and then they're locked into using it. And I think that's part of the frustration when the lockdown finished and some people were going out in a car and they suddenly saw the roads empty like they are in the car adverts and thought, I'll put my foot down. I think there was a psychology to that. And I, you know, I do have some sympathy with the addiction there is of getting from A to B and saying, I can't give up my car, it's just too difficult. I need it for this, I need it for that. And unless you've got good alternatives, which actually do have in Edinburgh, but we don't have good alternatives to busy roads for cyclists and for pedestrians. We don't get it right. And yes, it's going to take money and it's going to take more than 10% of the transport budget to do it. But we need the, we need the legislation, we need the finances, and we need, most of all, we need the will, the collective will to make a change. You say you need the legislation. Scottish Government, like City of Edinburgh Council, have policies to encourage more healthy lifestyles, which means getting out and walking and getting out and cycling or wheeling or what have you. So presumably you should have an open door to get that legislation passed. We should, and there's a consultation on a national planning framework right now. There's also consultation that Transport Scotland are doing on which way are we going and they're getting the hierarchy right with active travel at the top of the hierarchy I think it's changing but we do need that national framework so you don't have to consult endlessly about whether you put in uh, to close a road whether you put double yellow lines down that could take two years to put double the yellow lines down it makes life simpler for people that live there and also people that are travelling through there when when it's actually a major safety issue you need consultation what the heck do you need consultation for it's a life and death matter so there are a lot of changes being made within Edinburgh in terms of safe routes I mean, we see things the narrowing of Porty High Street, for example. Mm. Is that a permanent thing? It's been done under the Spaces for People programme, which means you don't need much consultation, to be honest, and it's temporary. And you can have a temporary traffic regulation order, but that's limited for about a year or 18 months. You can have an experimental traffic regulation order, which might enable us to do more things. But those changes are temporary. And to make them permanent, we're going to have to go through a legal rigmarole to make it happen. And if we want to make different changes and tweak them, we can. But we're going to have to go through a process that I don't, I don't feel is sensible or necessary. How much support do you have within other councillors for change? A lot. Within the... the my party, the Labour Party, the SNP, who are in administration with us, we're partners in administration, and the Greens, obviously. But there are some siren voices out there that are listening to the louder voices that say, oh, we need consultation, we need this, that, and the next thing. So Conservatives and Lib Dems, not so much. They want quality consultation done in 
less, you know, less time than it takes. I just feel if it's the right thing, just do it. Today, I at least can get to almost everywhere I need without using the busy roads, and I don't have to use the roads at busy times. I don't have to use my bike at rush hours to travel to work, for example, but many people do. In theory, it's healthier, makes you fitter, and it's good psychologically as well. But every time you hear of a cyclist being killed, or a passed dangerously close by a car going way too fast, then all too many of us wonder if it's worth the risk, at least until something is done to make the roads safe for all users.